This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Today on Believe in the ATP Tour podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about all the tournaments going on in Asia. Um, there's Beijing right now. There's Tokyo's going on. Um, Zuhai and Chengdu just got over. And then also off the court, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of hype around the curio situation he got suspended um we're gonna talk a little bit about the ranks and the rankings and then a little fun fact about uh world number ones and then we'll obviously end with gem's life um but let's start with zuhai uh alex de manure won the zuhai tournament and he's had a great 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 hardcourt season um i'd say he's arguably right up there with um, Daniil Medvedev and his clay court, or not clay, his hard court season that he's having. Um, Damanur beat Batista Gut in that tournament. He also beat uh, Torich in that tournament. He beat Andy Murray, uh, John Millman. I mean, he had a had a good run into that tournament, and now he's number twenty five in the world. He's moved up to number twenty five in the world. Um, I mean. What, what a year this guy's had. Uh, he made a run at the U.S. Open. I believe he lost to Nisha, or not lost. I believe he beat Nisha Corey um, on grandstand, and that was kind of his big break moving into uh, the fourth round. And, I mean, he's just had a phenomenal, a phenomenal year. Um, for him to win Zuhai, uh, I think, is a, is a great accomplishment for him. And that's someone to look for. If you're looking for someone to watch on their way up, I would watch Alex Damanur. He's he's young. He's quick. Uh, it helps that he wears red, this A6 red like shirt. To me, that makes people look fast. And so I think, I mean, he looks quick. He's fundamentally sound. He has a good, nice, solid strokes. And um, he, he's definitely someone to watch if you want to look into this next year. And I believe he's Australian. So he's someone to watch moving into the Australian Open come you know, January, February of 2020. Um, the Chengdu tournament, some of the some of the top seeds there. I mean, John Isner lost second round. Uh, Shapo ended up losing to Karina Busta, who won the tournament. Shapo lost to him in the semis. Um, who else was there? He had some other big names there, like uh, Taylor Fritz. He lost. Uh, and then Kyle Edmund. I mean, Kyle Edmund lost first round. He's been really struggling this year. Um, Felix Auger Alassim, he actually lost second round to Soisa. So, I mean, these guys and some of the, I don't know if they just don't play well in these secondhand tournaments. They just don't think they're good. Um, 
I mean, they just not that they're not good, but I just don't think they take them too seriously. I mean, those are ATP 250s. Um, hopefully, there's going to be some better tennis out of those top players into this second, into this kind of second tier of um, the Asia Tour, and they're in Beijing right now. And so, looking into looking into Beijing, I mean, the one seed, the one seed is obviously Dominic Team. Dominic Team's had an okay year. He's kind of struggled a bit. Um, in the hard court season had a, I don't want to say terrible, but it, yeah, it was terrible. He's number four seed coming in the U.S. Open. He lost. So he had a pretty bad U.S. Open outing. Um, Sferov's the number two seed. Uh, he He's had a, you know, fairly good um, hard court season. Uh, Sitsipas, bad U.S. Open, but he's back as a three seed in Beijing. And then there's uh, Kuchinov, Kuchinov um, Karen Kuchinov. Um, he's the four seed, Batista Gutz the five, Fognini, Fabio Fognini's the six, Gael Monfils the seven, and then Matteo Berrettini is the eight. And actually last night, Matteo Berrettini lost to, um, Murray in the first round of that tournament. So the eight seed's already out. Um, there, Rublev beat Grigor Dimitrov in the first round. That would have been an unreal first round match to watch. I would have loved him in there, but he actually, you know, beat him six, two in the first set, seven, five in the second. Uh, Batista Gut, the five seed, lost to Sam Query in the first round. Um, Sferov's on to the sec- second round. He plays uh, FAA, Felix Auger, Ale Asim. Um, and this, I mean, this is a good tournament. I like this. Uh, team, teams in this tournament, um, Berrettini was. But, I mean, look at Murray. Murray's in this tournament. He's playing well. Um, Gael Monfils lost to John Isner first round. But Isner's looking for redemption after he was the one seed in uh Zuhai and lost and then uh Sitsipas query um FAA Zverev this is a very young tournament but it's a good tournament nonetheless so Beijing is definitely something to keep your eyes on moving up forward uh I'll just dabble a little bit in the women's side of Beijing uh Ash Barty's there Pliskova Svitolina is the three seed uh Osaka's there Andreescu is there Halep Kvitova Kiki Burns um those top eight seeds I'd go to Bay. If you're near Beijing right now, go to this tennis tournament because there is a lot of good people there. Uh, Sabalinka's there. She just won um, the last tournament that the, that was on the women's side. Um, I believe it was Wuhan. I think she won the Wuhan tournament. Um, yeah, she did. So um, if you're in Beijing right now or near Beijing, go because it's going to be a really good tournament. All right, let's move to Tokyo. Tokyo is going to be a good tournament too. Um, Obviously, they got the superstar there. Novak Djokovic is the one seed. Um, Rafa Roger aren't playing in these tournaments, but then you got Borna Chorich as the two seed. Millman's there. Uh, the up and comer, Alex De Manure, is there. Um, Taylor Fritz, Marin Cilic, David Goffin, um, Denis Shapovalov. Uh, who else is there? I think that might be kind of it, but the top eight seeds there. Um, Jordan Thompson's there, the guy Australian that was on the um, Labor Cup team. Top eight seats there is Djokovic, Chorich, uh, David Goffin, Bino Pierre, Lucas Puy, uh, Marin Cilic, Taylor Fritz, and then Alex De Menor. Um Kind of surprised Chapo isn't a top eight seed there, but uh, he, like I said, he hasn't had a great year this year. Um, put up earlier in my interview with uh, Mason Bolchi, yeah, he's put on a lot of miles, but he's getting better. Um, he, he's gotten better at the second half of 2019. 
Um, but those are the tournaments going on right now. Um, Beijing, Tokyo, both really good um, tournaments, and then they're all leading up to um, next week, Shanghai. Shanghai is the ATP 1000 in China, and that's the tournament to look forward to. I saw today on Instagram the throwback of Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal in Shanghai trying to speak Chinese, and it's a good laugh. If you have a chance, go check it out. Um, I believe the ATP Tour put it out there. Um, so let's move on a little bit. I, I want to talk a little bit off the court in Tokyo. Um, there's been a lot of good off the court stuff. I saw that the, I think it was the Beijing tournament, the Beijing tournament. Yep. With Andy Murray and all them, they have a gala and I believe, or a gala or something. And they all dressed up for it. Um, they all dress up and I believe it's like, um, traditional, uh, traditional Asian culture, um, uniforms, not uniforms, but like dress attire. And it was guys like Andy Murray, um, Dominic team and some of those. Yep. There it was Dimitrov, Andy Murray. Um, and they dress in these like weird suits, but they're like formal. So I re- I mean, I really liked it. Um, it, I like when the tennis world gets into fashion because in my eyes, I don't know who really knows fashion better than tennis players. Um, that's a super biased opinion, but these tennis players literally travel the world. That's their life. That's their lifestyle. They travel the world. They get to see all these different cultures and they get to see how these different cultures dress. Um, so like every single tournament they go to in different countries, they wear different types of clothes. And so I think that's something special about tennis. And I think that's also another thing to look at when you're looking at the most fashionable people. Um, their culture is not only American culture or Australian culture, or Asian culture or European culture, or African culture. It is completely world culture. Um, their dress attire in different countries goes off of what's appropriate in that country. Um, they don't really... St- you know, sometimes when Americans travel abroad or they'll do um, different types of uh, traveling different places, they stick out like a sore thumb. I went on a cruise in Italy this year. I stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, I just don't know how to dress over there. And these tennis players literally travel the world for their job. And so they exact they know how to dress in exactly every country. And so I think that's what's the cool part about this is they know how to, you know, not fit in, but they know how to like, I don't really know the right word for it, but they just know how to, you know, be with the locals there and make them feel home, make the locals feel like they're not visitors. And also they're going to make themselves look like they belong. So I think that's something really cool about tennis. I think that's um, super interesting, but I also believe that that is um, that tennis players are some of the best dressed people in the world. Um, off, I was off topic a little bit, but let's move into, um, if anybody saw these videos, they're quite funny. Um, Novak Djokovic was in Tokyo and he did sumo wrestling and it was actually a little bit comical. Um, I mean, Novak Djokovic is, I don't want to say a twig, but he's not very big. He's tall, but he's super skinny. Um, and so he goes up against these 300 plus pound sumo wrestlers and he's trying to push them around. He's doing the big stretches. Um, and I, I love when tennis players get out and do stuff like that. Um, I think it's something that really 
makes them personable and makes them laugh a little bit. Um, and it's nice for, I think, fans to see them get off the beaten road a little bit and not post as much about playing tennis or um, working out and more just enjoying where they're going to go, where they get to go because they get to go to some unbelievable places around the world. Um, now I want to talk about uh, Nick Kyrgios. So Nick Kyrgios was suspended for 16 weeks and he was fined uh, a total amount of 113,000 US dollars. Um or no, $113,000 in Cincinnati, sorry. Um but it was a fine, the new fine that came out was $25,000. Um he is he's on a suspension for 16 ATP weeks and then he is um, on prohibition for a period of six months beginning, I believe, last Monday. Um, and so he is um, both fined and suspended. And um, he also had a shoulder injury. So he's he'll be going home anyway to Australia. He announced on Instagram the other day he's going home. Um, but what kind of message does this send to the rest of the ATP tour? Um, I think it sends a strong one. The ATP is not afraid to suspend you. Um, I mean, there's been a a lot of tennis players, sadly, in the past who, or in the present, that have, you know, give temper tantrums and they complain a lot or they um, start chirping refs a lot or the officials and they really get on these people. And a lot of times they're not really held accountable. You know, they probably lose that match because if you're upset with the official, you probably lose that match. But they they aren't um, fined as much as – you don't see fines like this very often in tennis, kind of like you do in the NFL or, you know, different sports like the NBA. But you don't see fines like this very often in the ATP Tour. So I think it's good for the ATP Tour to, you know, maybe put their foot down for once and um, – you know, criticize these guys. Say you can't just, you know, push us around a little bit or treat our people like crap, for, to put it pretty frank, and get away with it and keep getting away with it. So, I mean, he's 16 weeks. Um, there's a lot of terms and conditions, like um, no further code violations during the prohib- prohibitionary time, or the probationary time, um, to result in the fine for ver- verbal uh, abuse, physical abuse, unsportsmanlike, obscenity, um, other stuff like that. I do believe he is done until um, that moves right up to the Australian Open. And then after that, I think he's on probation of doing any of these acts for another six months. So that, I mean, this fine and this penalty really goes until July of next year. So um, this is important for the tennis world because they're really putting their foot down this time. And they're saying, you you know, you, you got you. This isn't a, you know, a circus act anymore. You can't be clowning around out there and get away with it. So um, interesting, interesting take by the ATP. Um, Do I agree with it? I agree with it. Um, As long as he doesn't miss the Australian Open, to be honest, because he's Australian. Um, The Australians want to see him and the Australian Open wants him in their tournament. Um, He brings people to the stands. He's a hometown kid, home country kid, I should say. Um, And, I do believe that he should be able to play in the Australian Open. Um, that shouldn't differ his fine or his penalty, but maybe they should work around it a little bit where he's able to play in that. But for now, he's got a shoulder injury. He won't be playing in it, and um, and I guess we'll move on. Um, let's look at let's look at a little bit of Gem's life. Um, 
Gems Life is back together. They, I saw they posted the other day. They are both back in Beijing after being apart since the. Um, they've been apart ever since the U.S. Open, but they did post back together um, yesterday and I believe the day before. Um, they're back together in Beijing, and they're both playing in the Beijing tournament. And um, it's good to see they've been gone for so long. I really hope they start getting to post a lot more. Um, the account's obviously more interesting when they're together, but um, they're not together that much. That's just the, it's the grind of the being a tennis player. Um, other than that, I don't really think um, there's really much more to talk about on Gem's life. There's not a whole lot to follow. There is one thing I really want to talk about, and that is weeks at world number one. Um, Roger Federer. Leads weeks at world number one at 310. Um, Pete Sampras is behind him at 286. He's 24 behind him. And then 39 weeks behind him is Novak Djokovic. Uh, Novak Djokovic is at 271. Roger Federer is at 310. Um, But Joker doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Um, If he keeps playing the way he is on to next year, uh, he could be the world number one for the next year and that's 52 more weeks um he he doesn't show any pace of slowing down and I think what happens is he gets so many points the year before that it just keeps carrying over and then he does good enough in the rest of tournaments where he can stay at that many points if if that makes sense um I mean Jimmy Connors is in there at 268 um Yvonne Lendl is there at 270 and then Nadal's at 196. So Nadal's significantly lower, but um, he's 100 and, yeah, 114 under Roger um, and a little less than 100 under Novak. But um, I think this is a crucial stat when you're looking at maybe greatest of all time. Um, if you're number one in the world, you're the best player in the world at that time, um, according to the rankings. And doesn't matter if you lose first round, you're still the number one. Um, Ash Barty lost in... The U.S. Open, and she was number one in the world shortly after she lost. I think the next round she was the number one in the world, um, and she wasn't even playing. So, I mean, this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, and then one thing I want to end my show with, I want to start ending my show with uh, every week, is I just want to read off the rankings where everybody's ranked because I believe that some people don't maybe understand where people are ranked, and I think that's going to give everybody a better visual of where everyone's ranked. So I'm just going to start on the men's side. I'm just going to go top 10, and then I might go some notable ones under that. Um, So I'm just going to start number one. Novak Djokovic is number one in the world, um, followed by number two, Rafael Nadal, and number three, Roger Federer. Um, Number four is Daniil Medvedev, and he's moved up. He jumped Dominic Thiem, and Dominic Thiem is now number five. Um, Daniil Medvedev. Uh, passed up team after the U.S. Open and the great run he had and the bad U.S. Open that Dominic team had. Um, number six is Alexander Sverev. Number seven is Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, number eight is Kai Nishikori. Number nine is Kachinov. Kachinov. Um, number 10 is Roberto Batista Agut. Um, number 11 is Gael Monfils. And number 12 is Fabio Fognini. Um, I went top 12 there just because I thought the 11 and 12 were good names. Um, and then I'll squeak in a 13 because Matteo Bar- Berrettini has moved up to 13 just because he's young. I'll leave that in there. Like I said earlier, Alex Damanur is 25. 
Um, Nick Kyrgios is 28. Um, Denis Shapovalov is all the way down at 32. Like I've said, he had a, he's had a really not so great year in you know the eyes of him. Um, some of the Americans, Francis Tiafo, 46 in the world. Uh, Riley Opelka, 53. Um, Americans really not doing great on the world tour. Um, I did see that John Isner is John Isner is 19, so that's good. Um, Vavrinka is 21. Uh, Felix Auger Arasim is 20. Um, so that's just the top 10 and a little change on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, Ash Barty is number one. Uh, Carolina Pliskova is number two. Elena Svitolina is number three. And her boyfriend, Gael Monfils, is 11. So that's it's almost a couple of top tens right there in a power couple. Naomi Osaka is number four. Simona Halep's number five. Bianca Andreescu is number six. She obviously jumped high after beating Serena Williams in the finals at the U.S. Open. Uh, number seven is Petra Kvitova. Um, good to see her back in the top ten. Um, number eight is Kiki Burtons. Number nine is Serena Williams. And number 10 is Belinda Bencic. Um, Serena Williams is number nine, even though a lot of people think she still is the best in the world. Um, I'm just not sure that she plays enough tournaments to keep her in the top 10. Um, other than that, um, I believe in the doubles, the Colombias, yep, Cabal and Fera are still number one. And then women's doubles, um... Ladanovich is number two, and Barbara Strykova is number one. Um, at least Mertens is number three, and Babosh is number four. Sabalinka is five. So there's some about four or five notable names in the top five of the women's doubles. Um, that's really the only reason I mentioned it. And then the race to London. Um, Nadal's number one in points, uh, the ATP race to London. The ATP finals are in London this year. Um, they're in December, and so I just want to – you know, put this out there because there's a big race to London, but I just wanted to give the top five. Um, top five is Nadal and then Djokovic and then Federer and then Medvedev and then team. And then that is, um, yeah, the race to London to make it to London for the ATP, the Nito ATP finals. Um, thanks for listening. Obviously, um, today our sponsor is nobody still. If you want to sponsor my the podcast on Believe. Um, reach out to him at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast, B-L-E-A-V, um, on any social media, Twitter or Instagram. You can reach out to me at Jacob Sersosimo, C-E-R-S-O-S-I-M-O, on Instagram. I'm switching Instagrams. So at Jacob Sersosimo, you can reach out to me on Instagram or on Twitter at Jacob Sersosimo, the same, C-E-R-S-O-S-I-M-O. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll catch you back up next week on all that's going on in Beijing and Tokyo and the ATP Tour. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.